Traveling the Vortex. We have joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode number 324. This episode seems to have perfected everything, except itself. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? That perfected. is so true. I think we are included in part of our itself. That is so, so true. <laughs> everything else is perfected but us. Yes. Oh, I'm perfect. Okay. I am. Yeah, I'm... you're humble too. Nope. <laughs> There's no room in perfection for humbility. It's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Practically perfect in every way. <laughs> okay, Mary. Oh, yeah. What? Huh. <laughs> I think there's an air of, I don't believe you in that. Uh, <laughs> well, he said he was perfect, then he backed down to practical. Oh, he did perfect. back down to practical. Yeah, practical. So. so. I have found that when dealing with humans, it's best to not put the best foot forward. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So maybe you really do travel through a vortex then. Spoilers. <laughs> you guys have a good week? Not bad. Not bad at all. Me too. Got my taxes done. Getting oh, money good. back. It's always good. So that was a good week. What are you buying me? Microphone. <laughs> a computer. Oh yeah, I'll take the computer. Yeah. I'll buy the mic if you buy the computer. <laughs> a boom box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some cardboard. <laughs> I could probably provide the cardboard. He said you got cardboard in the garage. I have, I have a wrestling mat. Oh, all it's right. A Not a wrestling mat, That'll a um, yoga mat. Yoga mat. Is it yoga they're or like, wrestling? They're like this big. Yoga mats are like tiny. I could probably still make that work. For the worm, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, well, it's a yoga, it's an exercise mat. Do we have but... any new listeners this week? They have <laughs> no idea what we were talking about, and that was just last week. It's true. What was this week's episode? 324? 324. See, 323 for reference. <laughs> <laughs> That's a footnote. Did I do anything this week? I don't think I did. I went to finish Cleopatra. Uh huh. It's off Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, April first. You started. <laughs> you started a movie that fell off in the middle yeah. of watching it. Yep. <laughs> you sons of. That takes us something special for you to start a movie and then it fall off of Netflix well, while you're watching. My problem is well, not I, while watching. I know, it. but he was in the middle of it and paused and was going to return. You to would it. think. I know that if you go on, this is a first world problem. I know if you go online to the actual Netflix website, you can look and it'll tell you this is going to disappear on such and such day. Right. And on you can re- yeah. you can resequence the list based on that. For those of us that might use an Xbox for our Netflix viewing, could we please <laughs> yeah, find back, a way to flag too. them that it says, hey, this you. is going to disappear? Because I check my list it all the time. Yeah. But then stuff disappeared because I, I put it, oh, I'll watch that at some point, and I throw it on my list. And then months later it disappears and I forget about it. I finally had some time available and... Shy was up, and I didn't want to be up, but I was. So I was like, well, I'm going to finish Cleopatra. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's good news, Sean. What's that? You work at least once a week at a video store. So. True. You have I, access I to it. <laughs> I'll have to tell my mom, can you bring that with you when you come into town this week? Oh, she... She bought it. it. She oh, That was she how that whole it. thing started. Yeah. She bought it and then asked me, have you ever seen this? No. I did watch... <laughs> we watched uh, King Kong, finally. We got the original one knocked oh, out. Oh, nice. Wow, I didn't remember most of it. Yeah. Like I said, I know I've seen it, but it's been so long. I was a kid. I was really kind of shocked that they just jumped right into it. I mean, we're right there on the docks. and Taking um, off right away, pretty much. Yeah. I think the part that really scared me was when he attacks the, for no reason, when he attacks the uh, elevated train. <laughs> <laughs> that was the part that, for some reason, scared me. That's something you might ride in someday, and you're yeah. afraid King Kong might attack it. Well, the theme park ride used to be that. Oh. That was the, the simulator that he was attacking the tram, and then you. I think that's why that stuck in there. When I rode that, I was <laughs> well, which, terrified. You watched the original? original we watched the original, original. Oh, okay. Because the tram at Universal is based on the 77 or 78, whatever year, 79 uh, no. version. Yeah. Is it? No, in California it is, anyway. Yeah. Well, when I went, the one at Universal is part of the back lot tour. Because that's the Peter into, Jackson one now. You go into it probably is. I've oh, been there yeah. since Peter's came out. But oh, okay, yeah, yeah it's drive, Peter Jackson one now. You would drive in there. the The tram would drive in there, and suddenly mm-hmm. you're in a subway station, and you could well, 
you're you're kind of in a subway station. You're actually outside because you see the cityscape on the background. Uh, and yeah, you see all this stuff kind of tumbling in. And when you see King Kong come through, it's actually the seventy. Well, back then it was the seventy nine version of of Godzilla. Okay, or yeah. King Kong. King Kong. At, at Orlando, it see, I didn't was, ride Orlando. So. It, it was you were actually. Um, it was all themed up like you were being evacuated to Roosevelt Island. They were going to get you out of the city. Oh. And so you walked in and you could just hear New York and screams and sirens and thumping noises. And, you know, it was very, very effective while you were waiting in queue. And then eventually you would get on the Roosevelt Island okay. tram and go over. But, of course, you're riding in this cable car through the city. So building rooftops or, you know, at eye level. And then there would be a police helicopter that would come in front of you and shoot at something, and an explosion would go off and fire. And, and then you would see Kong, this gigantic animatronic Kong, and he's grabbing at the cars and all that kind of stuff. And eventually he does grab you and shakes the car around. And wow, that sounds kind of cool. It was yeah. cool. The one in Hollywood is now the Peter Jackson one, and it's kind of the same deal. It's part of the back lot, and you pull into a tunnel, and then it's this amazingly immense 3D Kong versus the T-Rex, but it's on the t- you're in a tunnel, uh-huh. and the whole so inside of the tunnel is yeah. the, the screen. And so the fight, they slam up against the side of the car. The car rocks. They flip over the roof onto the other side of the, of the oh, tunnel. Nice. I mean, it's impressive. <laughs> it's really cool. Huh. But that's neither here nor there. We watched that movie, finally. We got that one knocked out. <laughs> what did you think of Kong Skull Island? Oh, it was so good. I didn't, get to, I didn't even talk about this, did I? No, because you hadn't gone yet. We hadn't gone yet. We, we, you went Monday. We went Monday. And saw Kong see. Skull Island. Yes. No, actually, we saw it here. Oh, you did oh, see really? it. We did see it here. We, uh, the, you were going to go over there and see an IMAX. You found out it wasn't an IMAX. It wasn't an IMAX. So we just, just saw it here. Yeah. here. Okay. Uh, went to the late show at 10.30. They had a late show. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. It was so much fun. That movie rocked. It was an absolute blast. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Big smile on my face. I think I laughed through most of the oh, movie. And not because Riley's character is just a hoot. Yeah, not because I was laughing at it, but I was I was just having a good time. I was yeah. laughing along with it and all of the you know, the big spider thing and the <laughs> I mean, there was there was just so much surprises and it worked and it worked really well and yeah. the, the Vietnam stuff, like I wasn't really sure how they were gonna pull oh that Everything worked fine. Now, admittedly, if you're wanting a film, if you're wanting something with character development, you're, no. Well, Kong gets character. Kong does. Kong and Samuel L. Jackson and uh, John C. Riley. Yeah. Everybody else was kind of like... There's the stock characters there for their purpose. There's the photographer chick, I think. There's that tracker guy. (laughs) Eh. You know, I mean, they're they're just the the people. The former chief uh, from Agents of Agent Carter had some character growth. I, I don't thought know. so. I thought so. Yeah. They're, they're they're fairly not much. But the, some. the thing is, there's you, just you enough are, there to go. You're going to make me feel bad when this person that's, gets that's, killed. That's, that's what they do well is they give you enough character development in the scope of the uh, time that they're on screen that they're not one dimensional or two dimensional characters. They all have a purpose. They all have something that. Mm, I don't even know if I go that far. They have personality, but yeah, I don't think they have a purpose. I, okay, Their purpose is for me to feel bad about them when they get killed. Right. That's well, well, that's just <laughs> it, though. They, they they give you enough to draw them draw you in that they you do care about them when they die. Yeah. Because again, if, they're if not red shirts. That's what I'm well, saying. Well, <laughs> some of them are. But not some of them very the much are. The ones you spend the most of the time I with. The red, I think all the red shirts didn't make it onto the, the island. Yeah, they, make it, they, they all went down in the the helicopters. Yeah. Again, if you're looking for that. Go see an Oscar winner. Go see La La Land or Moonlight or something. This is I can't, I went to see Kong blow up helicopters, and that's what I got out of it. It was so much fun. We just had an absolute blast, and the stinger at the end. <laughs> Very excited stuff. Yeah. We finished uh, reading Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. Wow, you trucked through that. Yeah, one. we read that in like three weeks. Of course, it helps that now every night because I'm on. Day, That's true. Day shift, I can read every night. Really enjoyed the book. Really enjoyed the book. So well done. So well thought out. And then we watched the movie. Not as well done. Not as well thought out. <laughs> so much cut out of it. Yeah, that was that was. I think that was my biggest disappointment of from book to film. Yeah, I would agree. And because I, I was kind of down on the last one, and you you kind of shifted my mind on it. At least my approach towards it, how it structures down to make a better flow of a film. Right. But this, it just, it felt like they threw 
some stuff in there that didn't needed to be and, and tried to rush the romances for no reason. And yep. There's just so much that the movie didn't do right, that the book did so well. And one thing I always kind of had an issue with while watching the movies, it felt like the Horcruxes just came up out of nowhere. In the books, it's not that way at all. It kind of feels like it builds toward that, at least throughout the book itself. Throughout the book, it Is does. this the first time for you reading these? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were just going back and reading. No, no, oh. this is the first time reading. Oh, it's the second or third or however many times for Sarah, but it's the first time I'm reading. Them. Welcome to the club. Thanks. I yes, I agree what you're saying. With they do build throughout the book. It was one of those things that when I first read the book, I did kind of do this. Okay, these horror cruxes just kind of come out of nowhere because <laughs> I'm reading the book. And but retroactively, when I watch the film and realize how much they come out of nowhere in the film, <laughs> yeah. it works for me now yeah. in the book. So well, and the fact that the movie almost still makes it feel like there's six out there to destroy, and it's very clear in the book that there's only the four, right. and they give good backstory into each of the items that might be a Horcrux or are right. a Horcrux and what have been destroyed, and it's amazing how much that book ties back to Chamber of Secrets, yeah. even more so than the movie does. That is the thing with J.K. Rowling, as I've always said this, that she puts these things in in the Harry Potter series that at the time you read it feel like just this cutesy little magic scene. Oh, that's a fun thing for the kids because, you know, it's still a great story, but that particular part, Polyjuice Potion, oh, we turned Hermione into a cat. Ha ha, isn't that cute? And then all of a sudden, two books later, it becomes a major plot point that this is a thing. And she does that through all of it. Every single thing in these books that you thought was not important actually winds up being important <laughs> to the overall resolution of it. Yeah. One thing I, about the movie, I don't think Jim Broadbent was the right choice for Slughorn. I like Jim Broadbent as an actor. I think he's great. He's not a right choice for Slughorn. I did not... He he wasn't brusque enough. He's, he came off more of his doofus in the movie yeah, than he does in the book. I would agree. Yeah. I think the Broadbent could have played it I think, more like I think it was di- maybe direction. Yeah. I'm not entirely convinced David Yates was the right person to fully take over the rest of the films, just because they're also so dark, visually. Tonally, it makes sense that they're dark, but visually they seem almost darker. And I didn't know that the fifth movie had a different screenwriter than all the rest of them. Really? That's the only one. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that either. That's a major thing we did this week. <laughs> <laughs> I was at the store today and picked up Doctor Who level pack for Lego Dimensions. So. Did you play it and beat it already? Brought it home, set it down in front of Mason. We both stared at it for a little bit. And I said, we're playing this, right? And he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> so we fired it up. Unfortunately, we got started so late that we only got the first part of that level done in the London. Now we're on the ship. So uh-huh. we had to stop there so I can come over here and record. Who played as the doctor? Uh, we both flipped back Flip and forth. Back. Yeah, just he started out as the doctor, and I played. I play as Batman a lot in there when I'm co-oping with him because Batman, I think, is like wild style. When you're trying to fight anything, she's like flipping all over the place, and it doesn't feel like I'm <laughs> in control. Gandalf's far too slow, although sometimes he's pretty powerful when you use the staff and shoot things. Yeah. But Batman, you can do the jump smash so easily and I think it's easier collecting studs with him because he's just they seem to have more control over him and the canine jump, the jump thing. well <laughs> now they have canine yeah we jump. I get on canine I blast everything and zoom all over the place well, I, was, and, yeah. I was doing that with the Batmobile before we got this set because you could jump in the Batmobile and you just run over everything and then go run back around and collect oh, yeah. all the studs yeah. so that was fun so yeah we were, we're in the middle of doing all the little mini missions yeah, that, yeah. So. those Doctor Who ones are pretty fun though I'll probably go ahead and do those on my own. That's where some of the uh, (laughs) surprise characters show up that I didn't realize I got the voices for. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The reason we were in Kansas City this week, we decided we're just going to start taking a day off a month to kind of have a date day. And uh, we went down to Kansas City and saw Pompeii the Exhibition. Oh, right. How was that? Oh, it was cool. It was very, very cool. It's all authentic artifacts. It's all from Pompeii. None of its recreations. Oh, wow. And uh, in most of the cases, it's stuff that's never been out of Italy before. So that was cool. Apparently, the Pompeii Visitor Center is undergoing renovations. So that's why they decided, well, let's take it on tour. (laughs) We don't have a spot for it right now. Uh, And Kansas City was the first place to get it. This is the first place it's come. Uh, And it's still available through end of May. They just announced that's the official cutoff date for it. (laughs) It opens and it's kind of, this is what life was like. In Pompeii, so they've got a lot of statues and pottery, and this is how they lived, and that kind of stuff. And as you walk through that, then you go into the 
4D theater thing, and they blast you with hot air, and this is the volcano. And then the wall opens up, and the second half of the exhibit is this is how they died. And this is where they've actually injected the ash forms full of plaster and then pulled them out so that you can see what this is where the bodies were at. And it's devastating. Mm. I mean, I've seen it, and I, there's still a part of me that's it's difficult to rationalize how. You know, when, when you see a mother and child with their arms up raised, just like trying to fend off this wall of hot ash, and that was it. Mm. That was where they, they were at. And when you see that, it's just... It's powerful. It's it's really something. It was a cool exhibit. And then we went to BD's for lunch, my favorite. So did Doctor Who get the episode and with the episode did he get it right? Was it, did you go back and rewatch it to see? I didn't rewatch it. See if they were science, uh, historically accurate and everything in Doctor Who is historically accurate. I don't need <laughs> I'm sure these guys are doing their homework on these historicals. Yeah. And know. who we trust. <laughs> That's where I learned everything I know about history is from Doctor <laughs> Who. I mean. Oh, I'm scared. And apparently geography. <laughs> Let's move on to news. What's in the news this week, Keith? Pearl Mackey's been talking about Bill. And there's been a big announcement that Bill Potts is gay. He's the first openly gay companion. According to the BBC. According to the BBC, <laughs> which immediately has to be quantified. Because <laughs> it's the first openly gay full-time companion yeah yep and while my reaction to that is hey cool good on you does this really need to be a news article in this day and age i thought that was a very poignant thing that you posted when you put on this is that you know good news here but is it really sadly we have to be reporting on this (laughs) as news because it shouldn't be shouldn't still be news this should be every day now I thought the same thing with Sulu. I thought the same thing with the Foo. It's just why why make a big deal out of yeah. it? Yeah, it just is what it is. What it is. It, I, yeah. it, I will say it's it steps forward. That's that's yes. that's the brilliance of it. Is is yes, it's unfortunately taken this long just for that to be. But it should be just be organic. It should be something that's normal. You know, it should be normalcy. And unfortunately, it hasn't become that in television well, yet. If they hadn't made it a big announcement, it wouldn't have. People would have been, oh look, she's gay, yay, and then moved on to right. the rest of the story. It, it it feels like they're trying to ramp up the promotional material for series ten, but this is what they're coming up with. Give me meats of what's going to happen. Some tease tease me with something of going to happen in the season or even the first episode, and as opposed to her sexuality is not what I'm interested in, and what her character is going to be like. Keith, we're getting Mondasians with Cybermen. How bigger can you get? How much bigger can you get than that? See, give me more of that stuff. <laughs> An announcement like this really is not. There's no win in it well, because and, I mean, while on the one hand, yeah, we're applauding this because of yeah. the diversity of it. But the fact that you had to make the announcement saying, look how diverse we are, is kind of like, okay, but now you're doing it for the wrong reasons, it almost well, feels like. And, and to some extent, it almost feels like they're trying to play catch-up with class. Because <laughs> class had the gay leading character first. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, too, what you do when you point it out and say, hey, look how diverse we are, then you'll have people that will come out and say, yeah, but look how diverse you're not in these areas. And they'll start to point yeah. uh, at the other things <laughs> and because they're not. There's a long way to go. But yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's a step still astonishing to me that we had to go all the way till two thousand. I mean, the show's been on for fifty some odd years. We had to go all the way to two thousand seven before we had a full time black companion. Yeah. yeah, really? I mean, it just it still kind of flabbergasts me that Martha showed up. I was like, cool, Martha, she's going to be great. And it wasn't until later that it was kind of pointed <laughs> out to me. Oh yeah, she's she's the first black companion, and I had to stop and think back and go, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. The other part of it is if it's. I'm going to pick on the Sulu thing with Star Trek. I have zero problem with it. They, you know, we made Sulu gay and everybody freaked out. And then you watch it and, and it's, it, it, I think it felt organic. I don't have a problem with it. He showed up, there's his partner, they have a kid, and they go off together. It wasn't a plot point. It wasn't even no. mentioned. It was just there. If that's how it is for Bill, okay. If you have to go through and set up a, 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 a dialogue or a story around her sexuality you're doing it wrong <laughs> just why is why is that important but i'm off my soapbox so good on you doctor who and shame on you bbc <laughs> here's some fun news in august you can go see the five doctors on the big screen Woo! in a riff tracks live version Aww. 
<laughs> August 17th and 24th, the Rift Tracks crew will do the Five Doctors. That could be fun. But I, on the flip side <laughs> of that, it's like, I kind of, you know, when they when they riff on something that, you know, is... Deserves it? Yeah, okay. deserves it, yeah. I, but, and... and Arguably, there won't be. A, it won't be hard to riff on the five doctors. I'll give them that. But it's yeah. I'm on that side of. Do I really want you riffing on something that's pretty you know dear to me? Because I like the five doctors. It's one of my it's, favorite I know, stories. I know one of the guys is apparently a really huge fan. So I, I wonder how much of it's going to be tempered by him. Of no, we can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, bring it back. Bring it back. Or not. I don't know. <laughs> or he'll, or he'll go, go, maybe he'll he'll go, go full in yeah, and full yeah. in on it because of it. I, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure it'll be funny, but Five Doctors is almost hollowed ground. (laughs) (laughs) Is there an episode you guys would rather see them do Rift Tracks live for? Talents. (laughs) (laughs) Get more of your money's worth there, too. (laughs) I didn't even take me any time to think of that one. That's why they're doing the Five Doctors. It's a 90-minute special. It's feature length. There's no episode breaks or anything. Right. It's difficult because, you know, as we've established, all, all, all who is good who. And even the stinker episodes are not horrible. So I'm sure there's material there. I'm sure if you look. And I'm sure it would probably be one of those things that if I went to it, I would just laugh. I would, yeah, they nailed it. It's kind of like the honest movie trailers. When they do a movie you like and you're like, okay. And then they hit it and you're like, yeah, I can't really defend that one. Right. <laughs> you're You're right. Yeah. And so it's still funny, but then at the same time, you kind of have that, oh. But I like that movie. <laughs> you just didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'd go both ways on that one, too. I think it's an interesting idea. I wonder if, if it's successful enough, they'll continue doing it. Do we know? Is it going to be can a... they, though? I mean, they don't, they've only got one 90-minute well, <laughs> story. They can do Day of the Doctor. Yeah, I suppose so. Is it a uh, Fathom event? Do we know? Yeah, it is. Other events in BBC America. Maybe we should go to that one. Looking at the guys sitting oh, around was, the table wearing Doctor it. Who we've shirts. Got time to, uh, we've got time to plan it out, I suppose. Because when is it? August 17th. Yeah, 24th. see. We, they are Thursdays. You're going to have to be sick that day, Glenn. Well, take a vacation. Show, yeah, I can take vacation in August, too. So. And it won't conflict. Nope. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I can take any day that. Keith has off now. <laughs> as long as it's not in a sweet spot. So say we all. Done. Put it on your calendar. Yeah. Uh, British Fest, speaking of the Five Doctors, something very similar. British Fest. <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> Thank you. Is going to have a wax figure of Tom Baker. <laughs> There's the connect. There's the connect. <laughs> And See, it does indeed look much better really than good. the one they used for the photo shoots for the Five Doctors. <laughs> he will be stationed in the Fourth Doctor TARDIS console area. Uh, With his traditional, not final season outfit, like the picture show. His traditional oh, that final just, season. <laughs> the, the, the pictures are of the burgundy outfit. Ah. But the, the post says it's going to be his uh, multicolored scarf. Brown jacket, multicolored scarf. Yeah, 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 Rock yeah, yeah. on. Because I, I read that, and then I saw the picture and went, aw. Because <laughs> I don't like the burgundy outfit. But that's okay. I, mean, I don't gonna, hate it. I don't hate the burgundy I don't hate it. But I prefer. I prefer if the I, other. If I had a preference, i get the other one. Um, if I hadn't ever seen the normal one, and this is what he showed up in, fine. You know, I'd have one of those scarves. <laughs> but uh, I just assumed that maybe the person that typed up the thing, when he said brown, was colorful. <laughs> normal you know normal, normal. which, which uh, Matt Smith shirt is the, the normal shirt. there isn't a normal you alternate so often <laughs> you could argue and it's that not with, based on what when the episode's set you could argue that with Tom too because it's not just the scarf or the scarf length well, or, if, the if you look at, or the yeah, if you the look tire. at the first five seasons of uh, yeah five seasons of Tom's run he changes a lot. There's a lot yeah. of different looks. There's a lot of different. There's looks. a gray jacket. There's nothing. You know, there's one that's not even brown. It's gray. And yeah, so pants change those kind of things. But you think of that brown jacket, multicolored scarf, fedora. That's the fourth doctor. Although ironically, he is going to be with his season eighteen console room set, 
which is the which is the burgundy costume. So. so maybe they'll alternate between the two costumes. I'm excited. I'm going to get my picture with Tom. Yeah. <laughs> our last bit of news is also kind of feedback. Holly posted on our Facebook wall. The book choices have been made for the Traveling the Vortex Doctor Who Book Club. April had a tiebreaker, and Mario chose the Pirate Planet as April's book choice. He was quicker in the decision making, so the other book in the tie, Dalek Generation, will be May's book choice. She continues with Coco was happy about that. Secretly, I think either she likes the Eleventh Doctor or the Daleks. <laughs> Holly. Holly, first of all, I feel like we owe you an apology. You had sent us a, a Facebook message letting us know, hey, make sure you tell everybody to go to oh, yeah. the, the, the book club through Goodreads and vote in the poll because it was a really tight race this time around. And uh, I read that and I went, yeah, okay. And I made a note to do did that. Did we not get that in last week? I think oh, I forgot about it too. Dear, I thought we did it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to blame Glenn. Sorry, Holly. It's totally your fault. <laughs> Well, Why you am can, I apologizing? You, you Look can, what you did. You can blame me. I thought we did it. <laughs> if you didn't get to vote in the Goodreads poll, well, I'm sorry. Come May, you can vote for June. Yeah. Really? In two months when we'll have forgotten again. <laughs> Why is it up to us to remind you guys of this? You should be checking the Goodreads Book Club monthly. And weighing in. And um, weighing in on these What you think decisions. of the books that you're reading. Not just what we should read, but how was it? Because exactly. we can only go so far. We, You and I have to record that oh, yeah. at some point, by the way. <laughs> Challenge time. Challenge Speaking of time. things we've fallen down. Challenge time. <laughs> that book three months ago? Yeah, we read we, that. We, re- we really need to review that. <laughs> Challenge time. Challenge time. For all of the Traveling the Vortex Book Club members... I challenge you to bring two more Doctor Who fans that you know. They can be close personal friends. They can be online friends. Bring them to the book club. Get them to sign up. Two people each. Send us a message telling us who they are and letting us know that we can confirm that they were brought to the book club for you. We will have a prize drawing in May for the winner. What we'll do is we'll all of those people that brought people to the book club We'll draw out of a hat. We will have a prize for that person that, that wins that. So that's your challenge right now. Get those people to the book club by the end of May, and we will have a drawing. We're going deep into the Traveling the Vortex prize vault to pull out something good for you. <laughs> we'll announce what the prize is at a later date, but we'll uh, most definitely. That's your challenge this week, and we'll try to continue to remind you between now and the end of May. Our feedback this week's come from Ben. Ben writes, hey, guys. Sean, the theme park is exactly why I mentioned Winds of Winter not coming out this year. (laughs) I had just recently read an article detailing that point when I thought to mention it in feedback. Moving along, my reading has gone well. I finished both of the Mary Tam's autobiographies and love them both. I did move on to the Star Wars Aftermath series next. As of now, I have finished the first. It wasn't my favorite Star Wars book for sure, but there were some nice nuggets in it. I've also finished the second. It's much better. There's one problem I have with these books. It's clear that the EU, or Expanded Universe, for those of us in the know, has been thrown out. Things that happened one way previously have now been thrown out in favor of the new Disney version of the Star Wars universe. I myself don't like it. You've redecorated. I don't like it. I think in order to make it right in my head, I will have to view it as I view the new Star Trek movies, as if the non-EU materials are in a different timeline. That's not a bad way to look at it for Star Wars, actually. Or you the previous EU material is a different timeline, and this is the main timeline. Well, yeah, whichever whichever you want to consider prime. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Isn't that how everybody does it anyway? That's what I've been doing. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't... I've not delved my toe deeply, other than the two movies. You're a Doctor I Who fan. You should be thinking in timelines all the time. He's just saying he's not read any of the new I've books. not read any of the oh, new stuff. So new stuff. Okay, as far as yeah. I'm concerned, it's all still EU, because oh, I haven't, gotcha, I haven't gotcha. experienced yeah, any of the Yeah, because I've already read a few of the new, the new novels. So. Other than, either, actually. obviously, Force Awakens changes some of the stuff that, you know, the Zahn trilogy and, and that kind right, of stuff. Right, but. Yeah. Um, I love how Rebels is like, yeah, but we still liked those characters, so we're bringing them back. <laughs> well, and now they brought their, uh, he's writing a book, Timothy Zahn, yeah, he's writing a, a, a Thrawn book. I saw that. Which the end of season 
Three no. of Rebels was great. <laughs> no spoilers. That's all, that's we're, all still up, we're still in season two. Oh, you mean say. where? I haven't watched it. I don't know. Back before the timeline skewed into this tangent. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate Chrissy's feedback last week mentioning the Peter Davidson issue, as I will now refer to it. <laughs> I'm still not convinced that he was kidding based on what I read, but I concede that it could be meant as a joke. I would like the ladies to add Peter's book to the book club options. I'm hoping that perhaps we could get everyone to read it more or less at the same time. I would like very much to hear everyone's thoughts after reading it. Maybe I'm completely wrong, or perhaps I read it right. Either way, it's a good book, and I know it would go over well with everyone. All right, ladies, there you go. You have a uh, challenge for the book club, so we can put that on there. Moving away from books, the family and I are taking in the cinema tonight. My younger son wants to see Power Rangers. The older one wants to see Boss Baby. The wife and I are splitting up. I'm not a fan nor hater of Power Rangers, but I have zero interest in Boss Baby. Guess which one I'm seeing. I was mildly interested in the Power Rangers. Too bad I'm not seeing it. Update. I just got out of Boss Baby. (laughs) I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it either. It had its moments. Not much else going on here. I'll wrap it up and wish everyone a good week, Ben. P.S. Almost forgot it's opening night. Cubs baseball is back. (laughs) Just got out of Boss Baby. (laughs) Our condolences, Ben. (laughs) He said it went bad. He also said it went great. (laughs) Hey, it wasn't bad. I didn't really like it. Could have been better. (laughs) If you want to send us feedback, you can uh, go to our website, travelingthevortex.com, and fill out the Send Us Feedback tab. Or you can send it to us via any form of social media, and hopefully we will remember to read it. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what we're going to do all of our social media posts. Hopefully we'll remember to read it. If it comes to our inbox, we will remember. If it comes to social media, there's no promises. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what's next? Our reviews. Let's do our reviews. Night Thoughts. The gathering of a group of academics in an isolated mansion is shattered by a troubling sequence of events. First, a terrible storm. Then, the arrival of three strangers. Strangers. Strangers? Strangers. And a gruesome murder. I made notes. <laughs> oh, Glenn has them. opinions. Where are they? <laughs> I'm trying to decide uh, I'm what... I'm going to have to do off the top of my head, because apparently I did uh... not see. Wait a minute. I'm trying to decide what level of bum, 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 if any, this would get. Uh... Because I, uh, I well, like let, let me let me start. Let Glenn start this week. Start it off. I didn't hate it. Story. <laughs> it was better than Boss Baby. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the best review of it I can give you. This is the one that we had actually forgotten to do. Well, we, we skipped over. over it. Right. And we we've gone Not back and done it, but we could have just skipped right over it. I don't feel like I'd have missed out on anything. Now, like I say, I didn't hate it. Characterization was the the worst part of it, I think. Ace and Hex seem to revert to type, and by type I mean all the way back to Ace in the classic series. She oh. was very immature. Now, by that I don't mean she was like a whiny baby, but she seemed. They, there were times that they came across as teenagers. There were times where the right. It seemed like the writer didn't know who Ace was. Yes, and agreed. was using her as a normal. Uh, she you would use a different companion. Maybe so. It really felt like Dragonfire Ace or Happiness Patrol Ace. You know, early Ace stories. It really felt like she's still learning. She's very immature. She doesn't seem as as experienced and as worldly as as we've come to know Ace. Which is weird because at this point, there's that one passage where she's talking to the Doctor and she says, "You and I, we've seen some stuff. All the times we've had, and it it, it was meant to be a very yeah." in line with where we've been Ace. That felt like it was something put in by a script editor well, or the, thing, the writer. The thing that makes it worse is if this had been a story sans hex, I could have been all right with it because my head cannon could have said, okay, well, this happened you know, prior to yeah. the Big Finish series that we've, we've gotten so far. But when you drop hex in there, that puts it, that cements it right there in the lineage. So there there's that the problem i have with hex is being because now hex is a new character and this is only his second story then or third fourth. this is the fourth of course okay so regardless still early with hex you've got this guy who's obviously a nurse and he's probably in his 20s mid 20s but he's seeming very teenage and so it just it, the the characterization of those two characters specifically i had an issue with the 
other thing that I have with a character, the, the problem with these characters is I kept expecting this story to be some sort of surreal universe or some that these people weren't real that this was more uh of like they were in a they were in some sort of story or alternate zone or something because the characters weren't very realistic and mm -hmm. by that i mean they all seemed i don't want to say caricatures of, of characters but they all seemed very otherworldly very alien even though they're all these professors Especially and sue. they're all very down to earth yeah well yeah sue especially but they just they I kept expecting that shoe to drop and then to find out that the, that this is all based in reality on Earth on this island where they've been secluded because of these experiments. Then I felt like, oh, well, I was expecting something more that wasn't given to me because the characterizations were so otherworldly. So it just it was that that didn't set well with me either. It felt like he was trying to do Ghostlight and do a better version of Ghostlight and did not succeed. No, he, it looked like he was trying to do Ghostlight but do a worse version of Ghostlight. <laughs> no, is what he, he was thought. trying to he like he pitched it of I'll do a better version of Ghostlight. Yeah, and, and then and, didn't turn out that way. Now I'm glad you brought that up because this story does feel very much like Ghostlight. It's got that atmosphere to and it. And that's what landed me to feeling that these were very otherworldly characters. Yeah. But then when they're not, then it doesn't, <laughs> suddenly it doesn't feel like Ghostlight anymore. And it's like, oh, these people were supposed to be real? <laughs> <laughs> and scientists? Yeah. And atmospheric through the roof. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, yes. I, I liked the atmosphere of it. I liked I, the haunted house feel, the, or the asylum on the island. I mean, they were setting it up as agreed. a... A, a kind trapped of, by a storm, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It, it had all the trappings of that kind of horror story that we were going to get. And then you get even, little pieces of that throughout it, like the disturbed girl. It starts a little Tin Little Indians, a, too, because we're a, killing a, off several people yeah, right away. A, a possible talking rabbit doll or, something else. you know, <laughs> and taxidermy stuff everywhere. Okay, I get where you're going with this. What is the relationship? Okay, so there's a bunch of scientists, and they're from the university, and they're on this island. But they keep having guests. <laughs> they, they keep having people stop in from storms to take shelter, and it's almost... Because the, the Doctor and Ace and Hex aren't the first ones, because Dr. Yeah. O'Neill just shows yeah, up out of nowhere, it sounds like. Of course, there's <clears throat> a reason for that. He, At least that's divulged later. He, yeah. But why they let him come in and stick around is another, who knows. Right, he just... Their, their reasons hanging for out. allowing it aren't explained. His reasons for being there are. Because he's already there when the storm starts, so it's not for that reason. I mean, it's not like it was the same storm that also trapped the Dr. Ace and Hex. It's not like it's a Rocky Horror situation. He's already part of the group and integrated. Yeah. And it's like, well, why was... What, what does that have to... I, so there's a lot of little things like that that just don't add up for me. And then the scientists themselves... And I, I'm using air quotes around scientists because these people are all nuts. There's not <laughs> any real science going on here. And keep in mind, this is college academics... These people got together to go off and have a weekend. And what have we done? We misdiagnosed this disease. We botched a surgery. We invented a time machine. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> None of these things fit together. <laughs> and then they got to the fourth part and thought they were being very clever with the, well, isn't it lucky for us that the blah, blah, blah machine is in the operating theater? And I went, why is it there? <laughs> What? <laughs> well, and they, it, none of it made any well, sense for me. Up to that point, it doesn't. And he try. The, the author makes a, a the writer makes an a, an attempt by having the major be the one that kind of set all of this up. He makes an attempt to, attempt to connect yeah. a re and give a reason for it there, but he doesn't go far enough. And yeah. so you're still left wondering how intricate was this plot by the major that he could have had all of this set up, but you're not letting me know. That's the other thing that you're that also left me. wondering. Because we don't get a firm explanation, they're left the Doctor Ace and Hex are left theorizing what truly happened with yeah. the a girl in the bear suit, etc., cutting herself free and all that stuff. And it's like, well, maybe that's what happened. We don't know. I actually that was one thing I liked about it is I preferred them because of the type of story that this was building and the fact that we were still trying to build on that whole ghost story feel of it. I do like the fact that the, the Doctor and Ace and Hex didn't necessarily nail down exactly what happened, and that gives more reason for the creepy little girl, or the zombie girl, to have done what they said they, they've done and, and leave the listener in that mystery of, 
perhaps this is really what happened. They did suss out what really happened. And so I feel like I'd if they like wanted to that. do that, they shouldn't have given us so much other explanation for things. They should have given us left more of it in mystery. Well, I think that the reason they gave us other explanations for things was to ground it in that science that we're always longing for, which is Doctor Who really is not supernatural. It's not I have spiritual. to agree. If it had just been left at Zombie Girl, I'd have been really angry. That that, But ultimately... I was really angry because <laughs> there was a zombie girl. Well, leaving it to, though, the, the listeners' conclusions, I think, was the right way to go about it. Yeah, until you, tack on the, well, but, until you tack on that last scene, and now it's like... I mean, it was satisfying. The, the Major got what he deserved, but you pretty much just confirmed that the theoretical hypothesis that the Dr. Ace and Hex were debating was actually what what happened. Yeah, that's true. Which now has undone the rest of the of the storytelling. Leaving it to your imagination. Right. So all of the that's science true. all of the science that you gave me to back up this went out the window. Now I have to deal with the little tiny bit of science you gave me at the very last minute in the fourth part <laughs> to justify that end scene. And it's like yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I, I wanted to like it, and yeah. I kept finding myself enjoying it, despite the, the idiosyncrasies with Ace. I thought she, uh, she came across really well. I mean, she was very strong in this episode. Ace um, did? I thought so. Oh. Despite the fact that she was poorly handled, in a way. That, that Her characterization was kind of all over the map. She comes across as a strong female. Maybe part of the reason you feel like she was that they were so immature is because everybody in the building was like ancient well that could be my, my other problem with it is is stay with the bursar okay ace is the most capable person to stay with the bursar what's the first thing ace does she runs off and leaves yeah. the bursar yeah. so i'm like okay that's totally i mean while ace is is gung-ho and ready headstrong and ready to go into action i couldn't see her at this point leaving this the point, bursar she this, should this, have listened to the yeah, doctor's this instructions defenseless woman he, she should be smarter than that that's what made her feel very immature is oh i'll, I'll buy that go okay. try it, you know it just, and then the was, false susceptible to all the stuff up in the attic, too. Well, that's the other thing is, I think... And I, I, I had a hard time believing Ace would allow herself to get stuck with a syringe. Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, the other thing that I have about this is when you're building a uh, mysterious, spooky, scene-setting story like this, you have to have the dialogue because we don't get the visuals. But this one really felt like a lot of forced dialogue of telling me what was going on, why it was going on. Yeah, They've gotten very clever recently at being able to draw me in so that when they have to use dialogue to describe what's going on it seems organic and it works for me mm -hmm. but this one seemed to stick out like a sore thumb a lot of times especially when hex was talking to the hooded care, uh, figure yeah. in that particular uh, the kitchen i think it was when he went down to get a snack the other thing that i thought was interesting was when he gets Ace up, he wakes Ace up and says, I hear, I heard somebody take the chair downstairs. Somebody who, and she just flat out doesn't believe, oh, you're crazy. <laughs> Come on. I mean, you guys haven't been together that long, but you should give him a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt. And Again, very uncharacteristic. Uh, yeah, exactly. Very uncharacteristic of Ace at this point. So my other problem is, and, they, and this actually fixed it, but very early on, we've got the one, the taxidermist that dies. Yeah. And I'm thinking, ooh, murder mystery. We're going to have to try to figure this out. But nobody seems to care that the that the guy's dead. <laughs> or that and, somebody gouges out his eyes and, and well, moves the body. But and, this is we even stuffed before, him in the freezer. This is even before that. I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. okay, ooh, murder mystery. This guy's dead. Okay. Then they kind of convey to me that perhaps they think it was an accident. So I'm like, okay, maybe that's why nobody's made a big, a big deal about it. Then the eye thing comes up where they've been gouged out and they're still very mundane about the fact that this has happened and I thought I think I'd be a little concerned right now and that's where it should have gone into Tin Little Indians mode is yeah. it should have had them starting to distrust each other, not know who well, it, And they tried to and, go there towards Hex and then it immediately, immediately then gets shot down and yeah. it's just, no, it's... And so it just, yeah, that, so that's a very uneven as well. Yeah. The other problem that I had with this was the major one of these things is not like the others yeah <laughs> he did not fit anywhere in this story yeah he had no business and being... we get one dropped hint that maybe they all served in the war together underneath him before they went into academic they never came out and said it but i kind of thought maybe that's the intent to to illustrate why they're still so loyal to this nut job who seems to think that automated bear traps could possibly be a thing. 
they said that. Oh, I've set the bear traps. They're, they're activated them, and they're all they all went live. And I went, what? Because <laughs> everything we've established up to this point is that this is another one of these period pieces, or at least present day. It's, it's 2006. Is the setting for this? So, yeah. the last time I checked, <laughs> that's not that a thing. Not even in Doctor Who land. This is not a thing. <laughs> Did you invent these while you were cooped up in the house? Maybe if you'd have told me that, I would have bought it. But no. Well, so, that's just it. At least attempt to give yeah. me a reason or a foundation for something. Don't just leave it to my. But then the major. The, ten minutes later, he's like, "That's not a thing. I made that up. I couldn't just do that from here." <laughs> that's the best really? you've got. You could have told me there was a thing in the woods. <laughs> that would have been more believable at this point. <laughs> Swamp thing. Oh, well, I can't go out there. I, I don't know. I, yeah. Like I said, I really wanted to like it. I felt like there were moments that were working. But then they kept coming back to the plot, and it was like, nope, it's gone again. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, if the thing didn't keep losing the plot, it might have trundled on better. Could have given it a higher mark. I, I had some fun during episodes it. two and three, but... Yeah. Well, yeah. And there were... There I, were I was moments. enjoying listening to it. That was the high that part. part. Yeah. There were a lot of moments where I had... I thought there were some enjoyable moments, but... So, according to TARDIS Wiki, this story was originally considered for the 27th season of Doctor Who. Of the show. So, had the show not been canceled, it would have been an episode after Survival. Really? It would have been a three-part story. So, it would have been right in line with uh, Ghostlight and Curse of of Fenrir. Yeah, Ace would have been a little bit more in character, but not quite. Yeah, that might have fixed it, I suppose. Interesting. (laughs) Who wrote this? It was Edward Young, his sole Doctor Who writing credit. There's a reason for that. (laughs) I have another story to tell about this, but I don't feel like, realistically, I can until next week. So remind me, and I'll I'll, I'll bring it up then. Okay. For reasons that will become clear next week. (laughs) Okay. Should we move on to the comics? Let's move on to the comics. Titan Comics, 12th Doctor. We'll start with issues 11 through 13. 13? Right. Yeah. Because we did 11 through 15, but 11 through 13 are kind of a... They're a story thing. arc. And then the next story arc. Which isn't it great that these worked out that way? It's almost <laughs> like this, this five at a time thing is almost working out fantastic. <laughs> almost. Especially when they're doing just story arcs. I kind of... I like this first one. I especially like the art in this first one. I thought the art was... The art was great. Gorgeous throughout all of it. The story I thought was pretty... was pretty entertaining. Uh... It's something that you couldn't get away with on TV and works well in comic form. I like the character that, uh, what's her face, that joins the Doctor and based off a real character. That, that was really person. interesting to me. When they, when they were kind of introducing her, describing all these adventures that she's been on and all these things that she's done, there was a little piece of me that was kind of like, wow, you really swung for the fences creating this character, but cool, I'm on board with this, why not? <laughs> and then you get to the end and there's that whole thing about, this was a real person and this is what she did, and I went... Whoa! Yeah, they didn't pull any punches. This is just you know, <laughs> once again, truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah. So that was really kind of cool. I liked the story. I liked the setup and the the setting and everything was was working for me within the confines of what they established. But I felt cheated because right off the bat we got Cardinal Richelieu, <laughs> and I they missed a trick, and I never got over this. They should have had Cardinal Richelieu look like Peter Capaldi, oh. <laughs> and it could have had a miss, uh, you know, one of those stories where right. the, everybody's mistaken him for this guy, sure. and he's you know, that, would, that would probably would have been. Better. Oh, it would have been perfect. And then I got really frustrated because realistically, you could tell this story at any point in history with a few tweaks, other than her being a real person. She had to be set during the time frame that it was. But then we established that technically her time frame came way after Richelieu anyway. That's true. Oh, and I just, <laughs> and I kept looking for it. The nose, the little bit of the mustache, it, was, it wasn't there. And I just, I don't know, I really wanted that story. Once I had that realization, <laughs> I really wanted that story. So then I kind of had to temper myself and go, this was a fine story. I enjoyed it, but, oh. <laughs> What'd you think? I quite liked it. It's one of these three-part stories that doesn't really feel long. It doesn't feel uh, like it's too long. It doesn't feel like it's too short. Mm-mm. It's a nice little encapsulated story. 
it makes sense this dark energy that's come through I, what do we, especially I mean, for I, the time period what i especially like is the fact that he meets up with the librarian guy or the guy the guard of the library mm-hmm. and he relays to it the other thing i kind of liked was the which I, in the past i've kind of knocked this but i liked how they would re, uh recur to us what had happened in the sketch drawings that they were that they did that kind of gave it that flashback feel but in that old renaissance type mm-hmm. you know look so that was cool but I, when he meets up with him and you find out that richelieu actually you know he was he was they he describes him as he was but then you know as he started to die he decided he wanted to you know elongate his life and he dabbled in you know the dark arts and things like that and that's how that opened that rift and this energy came through to keep him alive and i thought that was really fascinating a good reason to have him to be you know stay around longer than what his actual (laughs) lifespan was and the doctor realizes that wait a minute he should have died so many years ago that was cool like and for some reason, the, the the corruption goes all the way to the top of the the hierarchy. There, the the, the really cool thing is about when they they go to warn the king. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> you find out that the king's already been you know uh, influenced by this as well. And I thought that was a neat surprise because I didn't. I honestly didn't expect that coming. Now after it was either. done, I thought I should have seen that coming, but I didn't. <laughs> so you really did a nice job of that. I was the same way. The characterization of the girl, I kind of thought. This is this is interesting. I like this. She could be a companion. I'd love for her to be a companion. It feels like an audition. It did, and, I, and so they they went through this whole process, and they really developed her character well. And then when to come to find out that she was an actual, she was actually a person in history, I thought, wow, that's just that that's made made it more even more fascinating to go, be able to go back maybe sometime and look at her, you know, that, you know, her backstory. I thought that yeah. was cool too. If it was an audition, Titan, you can mark down three yes votes. Well, I, I certainly think that most of this well, they, year has been one-offs with individual companions. Yeah. And I think that was maybe the intent was to... Well, they're give, stalling for time until give, Bill give comes the, out. Right, yeah, give much. the doctor. But, but also a way to, if for some reason next season they don't, they can't do stories with Bill yet. Because remember, we didn't get stories with Clara until... Uh, well, they didn't start the Twelfth Doctor line until that's later. That's what it was, yeah. yeah. And because we, so we, you know, Clara had already been traveling with the the Doctor. If they decide that they can't do Bill right away, then I suppose you know you could pick one of these ones that happen to be a fan favorite, or just run keep with doing these one off companions. That I are think well I'm done. getting I'm getting a little tired. Of, that's one of the things I'll talk about in a little bit. Is I'm getting tired of the revolving door of companions of this series, though of this season or this year. Uh, I I kind of want some stability in a character, and uh, I, that's why I appreciate that some of these do go two and three story arcs yeah. with the same companion. So uh, maybe that's I'm more of an illustration of just the twelfth Doctor not being able loneliness. to yeah. hitch himself to a specific companion because yeah. he's still sure, smarting over sure. Clara. Makes sense too. Uh, but yeah, t- top notch. I think this was one of the best story arcs of this year. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I said it last time when we did some Twelfth Doctor comics. I'm really, I, I've been very meh on the co- his comics so far. But I think the smartest thing they could have done is got rid of Clara and brought on all these new companions because it's something new and different and gets me more excited to read something. I know, I don't know if this companion is going to live or die when I won't read this story. As opposed to if Clara was there, I know she's going to go to true. a certain point. I think the writing's gotten stronger. I think so too. As, I think they've the captured the doctor a little bit easier too. A I, little bit better. I, I, they've definitely started to characterize the doctor a little bit better. There were a couple of little pieces of dialogue early that weren't quite right for the twelfth doctor, but it seems like this year in particular they've really nailed him. But I agree. I think that getting rid of Clara opened it up creatively and allowed them to start pushing the envelope to do things that we're used to seeing now in the. 10th and 11th Doctor runs because we're dealing with companions that weren't on TV. And so we, we have this this new companion material that we're really that we're not necessarily a slave to. It'll be interesting if we still feel that way when we actually get into the 9th Doctor run now that it's become an actual thing. Oh, that's true. And, uh, and see you know when we're landlocked in with those people. So. I thought there was also a little missed opportunity of when he has the sword fight with the girl. That there wasn't the spoon... Or something, you know? Yeah, I actually kind of like the fact that they didn't go there since the spoon had already been used as a joke because we know that the Doctor's a capable fencer and sword yeah. fighter. I mean, we know that from Pertwee's Arrow, even in the King's Demons with the Fifth Doctor. He's he's an adequate swordsman. And so I kind of like the fact that they, you know, she's all full of herself that she's this fencing <laughs> expert, but she and does have a formidable 
Opponent. Thank you. <laughs> I kept, kept wanting to say companion. No, it's the opposite of that. Opponent. Formable opponent. And then ending the storyline with, the, with, with this, that. You yeah. Know, yeah, that was kind of cool, too. So it almost makes you wonder off. if they... Were they... Because I was the same way. I was like, all right, a sword. But then there was a little piece of me that went, well, now the spoon thing really doesn't fit. <laughs> Which I kind of felt that watching the episode. But maybe that's how low an opinion the Doctor had of this mythical Robin yeah. Hood oh, who's a fictional character. That's true. That's true. I'm going to use a spoon. And, okay, you know. Yeah, that totally fixes that. Yeah. But, oh, this is a real person. We know that she's a real person because she's got a bio in the back of the book. I better have a real story. <laughs> Head cannon for me. That works. Okay. I'm glad I can help. <laughs> yeah, no, this was, a, this was a good run. These were these were good stories. The ending, too, I liked. Yeah. How the good. fact that the lightness. 14 and 15. Yeah. The, the comic book stuff. Yeah. You liked them? The ending? Oh, you're yeah. talking about... Uh, sorry, two? we moved on. No, I'm sorry. sorry, I was moving uh, on. Next two. No, the, well, I, no, I didn't hate them. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reaction I was expecting from yeah. Glenn. Uh, no, I actually didn't have a problem with the fact that it's two writer, well, a writer and, a, and an artist that are doing a comic book, and it's set in, I mean, very familiar with this mega, con, <laughs> mega comic book convention. And, uh, was it, where was it? Brigham? Brighton? Brighton? Somewhere like that? Brighton, I think. Anyway, I, I thought that was kind of cool, and I, I, I like the idea of they share a flat together, they work together, but all of their communications are pretty much through texting. And <laughs> I could see where this was going from the very beginning. Hmm. I think that's part of the problem I had with it. The first story is kind of clever, and I th- actually wondered if it was going to be a one-off because they kept... I like they, all the different locations. They hopped to the different yeah. locations, and I felt like they were going to get to the meat of what I knew they were setting up by the end quickly, and they didn't. And then they end up landing on the one planet, and the brain things have taken over. I was a bit surprised by that. I was like, okay, you are carrying this through two yeah. story arcs. So this is the setup story. This is the meat of the story coming up. My problem with it, this story leading into the second one is I thought that this, the device was clever, having this planet, where it, which is kind of a consortium of, of the most creative and talented and philosophical and artistic minds, and they come and they debate, they talk and they discuss. And I thought that was a, that's a clever setup. And the fact that these brain things have come, no free thought, no free will, that, I thought that was a clever thing. It felt used. but It, it felt was, too, a bit Futurama. Yeah, but, but it was very, <laughs> but, it, but I thought, okay, this, this works for a yeah. story. It's, it's all right. For a comic story specifically. It, I just kept seeing the the thing that was going to smack me in the face later is the fact that these two are in love and we're going to get to there eventually. And so then it sort of felt like it was just kind of exhaustive. And it's about that time where he runs around the corner and all of his past enemies are there. And I went, okay, that was just the amount of fan service I needed to bring me back up in this story. Yeah. Uh, especially to see Scarlioni and Mondasian Cyrus. Ones that had no there. business yeah. being there. That was yeah. my first tip off. Point, that was like, see, oh, we okay. We see Morbius or the, the Morbius creature. Yeah. Uh, it just, yeah. So balancing that in there for me as a guy was going, okay, this is getting a little tried and mundane. Seeing that come up, I thought, okay, that was clever. I did like the trippy scene when they're actually using his, they're uh, draining his mind. And we get the different images of the doctors. Uh, that was kind of cool. Yeah. You called it Doctor Strange panel. I thought that was, <laughs> I would agree with that. There's an element in there of, of it kept me entertained. It kept me in the story. And I was I, I was okay with it. But as far as if to rate it among all five of these, yeah, this this was my yeah. favorite. The, the fan service moments were fantastic. And I, I did like the resolution of using these two creative minds together to... I sort of saw that coming too. I did too, but that doesn't necessarily make it bad. No, it doesn't. Well, sometimes you can get a very straightforward, this is how this is going to go, but still have a good time. Was it any surprise that Kong was going to grab all them helicopters? No. No. But he did, (laughs) and it was satisfying. And so when you get to this kind of environment, we are on a planet of artists, which again, here's that theme coming from all these comic books. And then you've got these two comic artists and, and writers, and you've got the brains which are sucking mental okay i yeah yeah, there's no surprise left in how this is (laughs) let me rephrase there's no surprise in what's going to play out the only surprise is going to be how How, is it going to play out and fortunately the how of this maintains a level of entertainment for me so yeah uh, yeah I enjoyed that. No, I, I enjoyed it on the level I like that, that it was. we also returned to these, well, they weren't characters we knew previously, but we knew of the comics previously. And so we were revisiting that idea. I like that. Mm-hmm. 
the, oh right because the uh boneless the, the, yeah the boneless yeah. people i had forgotten about that till you brought that up yeah that so was, this tying, was tying back, tied to, back that. to that yeah and the idea that tying it back to linda and his explanation of how he found out about the doctor and got the idea by right. looking online instead of just like in the story it, in the original story that they had it felt just kind of like oh you're making fun of yourself or right. trying to pay homage to yourself but then here they actually gave us enough of meat to make me okay with what they did previously right i would agree it was really a clever way to justify the time surgeon comic yeah you know <laughs> I don't know why it looks like Capaldi. I think it would have been a little cleverer to have a previous incarnation and, like, the internet hasn't caught up to this version of the Doctor yet as far as... I know, I know they I got it. I can see the wheels turning on there. He's trying to fix it. Well, just from the standpoint that... I guess death, Dark Water, Death in Heaven, you got that. At, at so. the point that this takes place, we've had two years, I'm using air quotes yeah, again, and we got the of, Zygon of, stuff too. of Capaldi on TV, and this is the second year of comics. Now, while... Some of these adventures obviously are interspersed amongst the others, but you could make the argument that it's a four-year run for him at this point. So they're 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 probably aware of him, but I don't know. Well, this is at least the third year because the f- first two run concurrently with Clara's stories, but once Clara leaves, because she- well, they run concurrently, but there's nothing that says that that's not a three-year companionship as opposed to a two-year. Well, yeah, that's certainly true. So. Because maybe she had a year on TV, a year of comics, and then a year of the, you know. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's a, well, I see what you're saying. It's, it's made up time, so it doesn't yeah. really matter. <laughs> I see what you're saying. We're trying to justify it, and we can't. Yeah. But I, I don't know. It, it was fun. Yeah. I thought, it, in a way, it was kind of nice to end within the confines of the way the Titans been running these. That we've had a huge story arc in the 10th Doctor's run. For, and a huge story and a huge, arc and in the a huge, huge, huge story arc in the eleventh Doctor's run. I thought it was kind of nice for the twelfth Doctor that we kind of didn't get anything massive. That we've had just kind of these little spot one-offs. adventures, yeah, little yeah. one-offs, and then to end on something kind of light. Yeah, uh, you know that the the state of the universe wasn't at risk. Right. That it was yeah. just this one planet. We're going to go stop it, and yeah, okay, I and a agree. relationship. I okay, agree. it's just I, I like that aspect. Little icing on the cake action. So. Oh, yeah, was fun. I, after reading both of these, I was quite surprised that they didn't end with the first three, the three-part story that, of, of, that we reviewed. I was a little surprised they didn't flip-flop those, Uh-oh. but then I can kind of see, because those other two lines were so heavy and, and world-ending, that this was kind of a nice way to change things up and, yeah. among another line. Which that's something I will totally, totally give them full props for, is we've had, you know, because the Matt Smith line when it started seemed much more whimsical and and fanciful and this kind of storytelling for for that doctor and so i think it's interesting that they're just kind of letting them free range all over the place and it's like we'll see what happens and especially now that we've seen this doctor a little lighter with yeah husbands of river song and a little bit in return of dr mysterio a little bit a lot more (laughs) (laughs) a lot more not necessarily a good thing but All right. The doctor was fine in it. <laughs> what do we got coming up on the schedule, Sean? Well, coming up on the schedule for next week, our Friday night Who offering is going to finish off Invasion of the Dinosaurs, which there's a little bit of serendipity there with uh, <laughs> the dinosaur in the comic. The, the dinosaur in the comic. <laughs> whoop, whoop, look at me go. <laughs> but we'll finish off Invasion of the Dinosaurs on Friday night Who, so that'll be parts four through six. We push play at midnight. Obviously, you're welcome to join us. And then uh, our show next week, because we've reviewed Invasion of the Dinosaurs, we will be tackling some more comics in Big Finish. It is uh, the Third Doctor miniseries, which uh, all five parts of that are out now. This was the one that was cl- Or no, the Third Doctor one was the one that they just released, issue five, like two weeks ago or something, right? So it wasn't too long ago. It's, in it's fact, fairly I think recent. the final issue of 12 just came out Wednesday. Oh, did it? Yeah. We're really current on this. Or, or at least Wednesday or two weeks ago. <laughs> Wednesday or two weeks ago. Wednesday or two weeks ago. Really recent for us. <laughs> you live in TARDIS time, don't you? <laughs> I'm wrong. We're six months off. <laughs> okay. At any rate, uh, so we'll do the third Doctor miniseries, those five uh, comic issues, and then the big finish, I don't know the number, uh, Assassin in the Limelight, which is a sixth Doctor and Evelyn story. Whatever mainline number that happens to be that will be what we talk about and 
after that, it's all Series 10 for 13 consecutive weeks, theoretically. So you have that to look forward to. Glenn's looking forward to it. I am. I'm excited for the new series to return. It's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> this year was long. Wilderness months. You're, you're off. Uh, well, a dark year. <laughs> <laughs> if you're already supporting us on Patreon, we appreciate it. And if not, then uh, you can go to our website, and there's a little button over there. We any, Every little bit helps. Um, if you can consider donating to this podcast, we'd appreciate it. Just click that button, and it'll walk you through the process. There's also some links on the right-hand side of TravelingTheVortex.com that are some uh, click-through links to some of our uh, stores that you can buy things through, and a small percentage of that goes back into this show as well. Is that it? I don't, we have anything else to talk about this week? I don't think so. Think Holy so. cow, we're done. We just This one went quick. All right, well, that's going to do it. Till, uh, Would you like to talk about something? I can invent things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.